0: Welcome to the Buy, Grow, Sell podcast, the show for business owners looking to acquire, scale, or exit a business. Before we get on with today's program, we just wanted to let you know that the Buy, Grow, Sell team have been working really hard to come up with more resources that add more value to your journey. This includes a range of webinars, tools, and other events, including an online summit where we get some of the industry's leading experts to come and share their insights. If you'd like to know more, go to buygrowsell.com forward slash events. Enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of the Buy Grow Sell podcast. Today, my guest is Tom Jacobs. He's a lovely man and I really enjoyed having a good chat to him. know, Tom, I guess part of his story I can really relate to in that You know, he worked in corporate, he wasn't really all that happy, he saw how that was impacting his life and decided to fundamentally make a change. You know, and I think that's probably a story that many of us can relate to. know, it ended up being that Tom's passion took him into actually health and looking after himself better and ultimately what I see is him redesigning his life And, and I guess where it really works well with this podcast is that he actually bought his first business Then went on a path of growing and improving before ultimately selling. So he did that full cycle of buy, grow, sell before ultimately he actually started another company and he's still in business for himself today. Tom now lives in Taiwan. He's designed a wonderful life and he he really is one of the happiest guys you'll ever meet. So uh, to hear more about this, I'm sure you're going to enjoy this episode. There's got so many tips in here about how to live the life of your dreams. Uh, This is Tom Jacobs. Hi right, Tom, welcome to the Buy, Grow, Sell podcast.
1: Hey, great to be here, Simon. Thanks for
0: having me. My pleasure. Thank you for making the time. Um, you know, it, it's funny, Tom, I, I've had a lot of guests on the show and, and everybody's got a different story. I mean, there's there's themes here, but geez, every every story is different. And, and one of the things I loved about your story, you know, and I know we're gonna get on to body three, personal fitness was the business you ultimately sold. But what I loved about your story was you actually bought the business originally so you, and then you took it through a growth journey, and then you sold. So you, you really kind of ticked all the big boxes here for the Buy and Grow Sell podcast. So, yeah. <laughs> so no so doubt there'll be a lot to unpack. But mate, could you maybe kick off for us? Maybe give us a little bit of your background and what led you to ultimately acquiring that that first business.
1: Yeah, great, great question. Um, I I call myself a serial entrepreneur. Uh, not that I love like going through the, the challenges and all that of being an entrepreneur. I'm just allergic to working for somebody else and I make a crap employee. So <laughs> nobody would hire me anyway. So might as well start my own business. But um, really, my journey started when I was 16 years old as an entrepreneur, and I had a mobile DJ and string quartet business uh, wow. when I was in in high school and uh so that kind of took me through college um ultimately i got a degree in theater management of all the random degrees that you can get and quickly found that i couldn't support my two worst habits you know living inside and eating uh, with a theater degree (laughs) so i uh, started working in oil and gas i was living in chicago illinois and uh, i started working for amoco chemicals that was bought out by bp um I got sick and tired of the cold, so I moved down to uh, Houston, Texas, and I continued to be working in oil and gas. And what happened is, you know, in that twelve years of uh, yeah, about twelve years of working in in corporate jail, I call it. Um, I I got fat. I, I gained forty pounds. My um, my blood pressure went through the roof. My cholesterol was really high. You know, I was thirty years old, and When I saw my doctor, he was like, well, you need to make a choice. Like you can either take these pills to correct the problem. That's what I recommend you do. Or you could do this thing called diet and exercise, but nobody does that. Just take the pills. So luckily, he doesn't, he doesn't practice medicine anymore, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but um, I, I love a challenge, right? an entrepreneur. So I decided to do the diet and exercise thing. And I did a 12-week body transformation program back in 2001. And in 12 weeks, I lost 40 pounds of fat and gained 10 pounds of muscle. Um, but more importantly, that cholesterol came back down. My blood pressure came down. And when I went back to see my doctor, he was like, "I'm sorry, who are you?" <laughs> he could have hardly it. It was like, "Wait, you have a six pack now, and it used to be a keg." <laughs> so yeah. um, uh, it was, and it was in that transformation that you know people at work were saying, "Gosh, Tom, what's your secret? <laughs> what are you taking?" I was yeah. thinking, quick, quick, quick question on that, Tom, because and,
0: and congratulations by the way. I mean, that kind of transformation—it's. It, You know, I've I've yo-yoed with my weight over the years and so I I know just how damn good it feels when you you make that kind of sort of progress. But I'm curious in your thoughts about what led to you kind of getting overweight or being unhealthy or less healthy. Um, Do you think eating is some sort of perhaps mechanism or linked with happiness or a lack of it?
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I'll, I'll give you my diet before um, <laughs> that led up to the 40 pounds. So, you know, I was working yeah. for a corporate, you know, and it, we used to work downtown Chicago, big building, Amoco building, but they eventually moved us out to the suburbs. I live downtown. And so I had to get a car and now drive and commute an hour On a good day, when it wasn't snowing, to the office and back. So two hours a day. So I would get in my car at 5.30 in the morning and I would roll up to Dunkin' Donuts. They would see my car coming and they would have my blueberry donut, my chocolate glazed donut, and my medium coffee ready for me. And I had my $2.01 ready for them. Oh, wow. Every single day in the morning. So that- I'm actually still
0: just reeling that 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 only actually cost two dollars. So
1: yeah, right. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. No, but okay. Yeah, no, I hear you. But was, was the- all, right? <laughs> yeah, and that was before the big recession of two thousand and eight. So you know, it's probably ten dollars now. <laughs> so that that was breakfast. Lunch would be generally there on campus cuz you can really go anywhere and then on the way home for my hour commute I would stop stop off at Wendy's and get a spiced chicken fried chicken sandwich and of course when they ask you do you want a biggie fries biggie soda of course why not it's only 10 cents more or whatever <laughs> it was then. yeah yeah and literally I would wolf that sandwich down before I got to the toll plaza which was about five minutes um, you know, drive. And then I would get home. I'd be super tired, go figure. And I'd watch TV and have a bowl of ice cream before bed. Yep, yep. So no wonder my blood pressure was through the roof and my cholesterol, I mean, you know, it was just a touch a terrible diet. And, you know, you, to your point, was the food masking something yeah, I mean, I didn't have uh, I was in the car for two hours, I was definitely not happy. Um, yeah. A lot of health concerns with that job. And, you know, ultimately, that's why I made that change.
0: Yeah. Th- and thank you for sharing that. Obviously, it's, you know, a personal journey for, for you. And it it is interesting, you know, I, I, without wanting to jump ahead in your story, but I just see the similarities around talking to business owners and asking them what they want out of their business journey and and invariably money and stuff comes up like that you know and 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 you know certainly one of the questions i'd like to extract from you at the end of this podcast too is your definition of success you know i i just find it's it's funny when people start thinking about their end game often often too late to do anything about it but when they when they start thinking about their end game and start defining what is actually important yeah. Like I, I just find time and time again, money is important, but only to a point like some people are so much happy to take less money, but just have the right living conditions, just to be able to live the way they want to live is worth far more than extra millions or whatever it might be. And so, you know, back to the original point here, right, is happiness. What, what does happiness mean to you? How do you want to live your life? How do you you know those those critical things that I think every entrepreneur really should be thinking about and preferably, preferably not at the last minute.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that's why entrepreneurs get into business and, and do business themselves. But often to have that time freedom. And to me, that is the critical piece to yeah. be able to choose what I get to do on a day to day basis. Yeah. However, what I've what I've seen with other entrepreneurs is you're you're trading a 40 hour work week for a boss that you don't like for an 80 hour work week with a boss that you really don't like, yourself. (laughs) Well, that's usually, right? (laughs) Yeah,
0: exactly. I hear people say, geez, if I could only clone myself, you know, entrepreneurs, if only I could clone myself. And I keep saying, yeah, if I could clone myself, I'd probably get really, really irritated with my coworkers because they just annoy me. (laughs) Yes, Absolutely. (laughs) <laughs> yeah oh, man. i get it i get it yeah. so so where were you on this journey right yeah. so it sounds to me like you know without wanting to put words in your mouth but you've got this career clearly something from a work environment and lack of self lack of control over your own world and you yeah. know future is, is a factor it's feeding into your health yeah. what at what point where in this journey do you start thinking i need to do something different
1: yeah i mean even you know all along when i was you know from 16 all the way through working in corporate i always had those side hustles i always did something else that kept kept that entrepreneurial spirit alive in me but i always had that safety net so i was not taking the risks necessary to really propel that business forward when i was doing the kind of the side hustles and and i see that over and over and over again so once I went through my body transformation, uh, you know, people were asking, what are you doing? And I was like, you know what? I could probably make some money teaching people what I did. And yep. so I got certified as a personal trainer and I started, you know, personal training as a side gig <laughs> in the morning, at lunch, after work. You know, yes. and five in the morning to nine at night, I was away wow. and oh, it was man. brutal. But I got to tell you, the times that i was on the floor working with clients i was in heaven yeah and then i'd go to work and i was going somewhere else <laughs> you know for that 8 hours that i actually had to be behind the desk and and dealing with you know shipping propane across the united states of america <laughs> so it was unfulfilling and it took me a full year of planning to exit you know a, a very nice cushy six-figure job i was traveling quite a bit all of the kind of the, the nice stuff that comes along with having you know working for a large corporation but what overshadowed that was my unhappiness working at a large corporation and i remember so it, it took me a year of planning and i knew i wanted to exit i saw a business I went to, you know, the broker sites and you know yep. biz, biz by biz by sell or whatever. Yep. 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 So so let me let me stop you there quickly. So so your
0: instinct initially from the get go was buy a business, not go and start something and build it from scratch? um
1: I think it was it was dual. I was looking at both options. Yep. Um because I was personal training, I saw some really good potential in that and when I started the co- company Uh, incorporated, it was before I left the corporate world, but um, I was talking to my attorney and going through all the different options of, you know, do you start it from scratch? I already had a client base, so I was like, well, it's not really starting from scratch, but do I get a premises? Do I get all the equipment, do all that? And, you know, it was really up in the air, kind of like it was 50 50 toss up. You know, it's going to cost about the same. and and it just so happened that a, a fitness studio came up that was for sale and i was like well this you know this seems somebody's talking to me the universe is telling me that uh this is available and it was it was interesting when i i went with the broker to to the the business owner on a sunday morning and uh it's quite funny um and, and we just couldn't come to an agreement over you know, a month time. He wanted way too much for the for what I would consider the, the business was worth. But yet over the course of about six months, <laughs> I get this phone call <laughs> six months later and say, Hey, um, you know, I'm thinking about selling. Um now I, you know, the, he had some health issues and was like, can we talk without the broker? Because he had ended that relationship. And sure, why not? And you know, eventually that that price went from here <laughs> down to there. And I was right. like, "Well, this this is a no brainer," and I'd already been in that planning phases to save up, to have all the you know everything in my my head straight for when I didn't have you know nine thousand dollars a month coming into my bank account, <laughs> you know, yes. from the from the from you know, the the company. So. You know, I had the, all the savings. And I think that's some advice that I hear from a lot of, you know, Insta gurus <laughs> out there that say, oh, burn the bridges. Don't look back, you know, burn the ships and you know, all that. And I think that's really irresponsible yeah. because there needs to be some planning in place because not everything goes as planned. Yeah.
0: Well, in fact, it's probably the one thing we can guarantee is that nothing will go to plan. So, <laughs>
1: yeah. and that's exactly what happened to me. So, uh, yeah. Um, when I, I'll, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to say. So, so he's called
0: you up. You're, you're having this new chat. Um, Prices come down. You're in the ball game. From that conversation on, how how long roughly? You know, I know we're probably going back a few years now, but how, how long roughly do you think it took for you to? strike a deal and get the contracts done and et cetera, et cetera. And now, hey, bingo, you're the you're the new owner.
1: Yeah, it took about six months. Okay. So okay. and and <laughs> it was kind of funny the progression on it. It became, hey Tom, I'm probably gonna be selling in the next six months or so or or a year. Um why don't you come in and rent space from me as an independent contractor and train your clients here. I was like, oh yeah, that sounds good. That'd be a really good transition. So I started renting from him. And then like a month later, he was like, yeah, maybe we move that time frame up a little bit. And then it became, can you do it tomorrow? Uh, <laughs> Excellent. Yes, we
0: can at the right price, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, we came, came to an agreement. Um, and then the day, so I, I bought the business. And then about a week later, I gave notice. So I, I bought the business in January of 2008, the absolute worst time in the recession to buy a business. Well, you know, Um, and I gave my notice at at work and, you know, I I reported to the executive vice president at that point and I I go into his office and I give my letter of resignation and he's like, "Uh, you're going to do what? Yeah, I'm going to open this gym. I'm going to be a personal trainer. And he goes, you know, you'll never make the type of money that you'll make here.
0: Uh, yeah.
1: And that was so telling in terms of his mindset versus my mindset. And I was like, you know what? That's not that important. You know, yeah. I want time for <laughs> Really should have said, I just don't want to work for you anymore. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: you're the reason I'm leaving.
1: <laughs> you know, as a side note, karma really is a bitch sometimes because yeah. his, uh, about two years later, his wife started working out with me because it was in the area. And, oh, wow. you know, ultimately <laughs> she left him. <laughs> she got really fit and they got divorced. Oh, and I think nice. I, I had a little bit to do with that. Well, not. That yes, no, I know what you're saying. You helped her with her fitness goals, got healthy, she yeah. probably started seeing herself in a different life, and, absolutely, yeah. and definitely didn't need him in her life. And nobody yeah. needed that guy to, in their lives, actually.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, It's, I wonder if she got became unhealthy or overweight because she was unhappy. It's, yeah, it's one of those things, and I, I say all this as I say from personal experience. You know, I think God, I've certainly used food as a crutch and stuff like that at times because it's sort of a hey I deserve this I've worked really hard yeah. you know whether it's uh, whether it's alcohol or food or it's it's easy to do, to see things like that as a reward whereas really you know if you have a little bit of it sure but
1: yeah yeah <laughs> no, not,
0: as
1: <laughs> not as a coping mechanism
0: yeah, yeah totally right yeah, only totally. so so you bought the business i mean what you've gone through there sounds like a very kind of organic process as opposed to perhaps um, a lot of the companies I see out there and even the sort of search funders and stuff like that who are, you know, very proactively and almost almost using a very professional process framework to go out and hunt and find businesses. So um, do, do you think there are any sort of lessons, takeaways, benefits you know from going down or just having gone through that more organic process as opposed to you know some of the other methods
1: yeah well it it I, I did go down that route in terms of the organic but not to say that i wasn't investigating and had a framework that i was going through already yeah and no, what no. i really believe in that is you know we have that um ras system reticular activation system in our head that when you are so focused on something And you have that outcome, which for me was to start this personal training business. Opportunities are always among us. But when we are focused on a specific opportunity, now we're going to start to see that opportunity everywhere. And now we're open to receive those opportunities. And I really believe that that's that's what happened in this case is that I just opened myself up to imagine and to see opportunities when they did present themselves. And yeah, so when this, yeah, when this presented itself, I was like, well, that totally makes sense. It ticked all the boxes that I that I needed, M- yeah. most of the boxes anyway.
0: That, that's 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 a fascinating party story, and I think you know a really great takeaway for anybody listening to this that that is thinking about acquiring, whether you're going into your next venture or you're thinking about buying a bolt-on for an existing operation, is that you know, y- yes, you could be out there and just kind of doing the organic thing, but geez, you want to have a bit of a framework and a plan in the background, absolutely. right? Because it absolutely. probably, if nothing else, helps you be organized, collate your thoughts, put your focus and attention on the things that you think are important.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and having a professional to help you through that process as well is so important. Like my my attorney, who's also a really good friend of mine, was invaluable to that process. In fact, at at one point I was, I was thinking of bringing, bringing on a partner. And (laughs) uh, so my attorney, Jim, he, he was like, so what value is this partner bringing to the equation other than some money? And I really had to think hard I was like, you know what? Not much. Because this the, the other guy was like, hey, I'd love to go into business with you Is actually a client. I'd love to go into business with you. I'll invest, you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollars 30000 in the business. And, the, and I was like, well, why do you want to invest in the business? And he's like, well, I want to get out of my job. I don't like my job, so I want to do something else. And, I, and when I explained that to Jim, he was like, yeah, that's like red flag number one. Like, because then we were like, you know, what happens if there's not enough money to pay us? like, what's going to happen then? You know, and, and this guy was so focused on getting a paycheck that it just, you know, so we ended that before it got to anything, right? Yeah, and just yeah. in the investigation. So, you That's know, partnerships. Really is Yeah, yeah
0: well, and obviously, having good advice around you to point things out like that, or at least give you a different perspective on it is, is I think, critical in any big life decision, right, whether it's business or otherwise. But i I just picking up on that whole exploring why you might want or why you might not want a business partner. And, you know, it's certainly something I've seen in my travels when business owners are saying to me, oh, I'm thinking about bringing on a partner or I'm thinking about giving some shares to some key employees or, you know, and don't get me wrong, like, you know, giving shares to employees can be very useful, but, but business owners need to recognise that that's actually just part of an incentive retention thing, Like It doesn't necessarily always drive the um, outcomes they think it will. And so i have often asking business owners, you know, you're thinking about having business partners. Why did you go into business in the first place? Oh, well, I wanted to be my own boss and I didn't want to answer to anybody. Right. (laughs) And now you're thinking about giving somebody a little bit of control over your life.
1: Right, yeah. (laughs) so it is a fascinating one <laughs> yeah. and not only that but when you're giving shares or percentages you really have to watch like how much of that percentage you're giving away yes. for what the value is that you're receiving in the in the back end of it because i'm not sure how it is in australia but in the us if you have shareholders that are greater than 20 when yes. you go get a loan everybody's laundry is out for display Then anybody that has like 20 i believe or greater share, they have to fulfill all the personal financials and all that. And if you have somebody that has some credit issues in the past, then that's going to impact your ability to get financing.
0: Yeah, that's a really, really good point. Um, In fact, we're doing some extra work on this. So anybody listening to this, who's thinking about um, having shareholders, bringing in partners, how to manage existing shareholders, um, we actually did a, a webinar on this called Breaking Up With Your Business Partner. So, you know, what happens at the very end of all this if things don't work out, right? So what are the things you do now to protect yourself if things don't work out? So, I mean, if anyone's listening to this and they want more information, they can go to buygrowsell.com forward slash events and um, we'll put up some stuff around that. But it, it is interesting, you know, it's just, I think being, I think this comes back to almost what we were saying in the beginning is being really clear on what's important to you and Yes, money is important to a point. You need to make sure you're earning enough money to live live the at, at the very basic level, the life you want. Um, but then after that, you know, what you said before about freedom and managing your own time and all those sort of things I find become far more important once the base level of money is ticked off.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it, and again, that time freedom... You know, is, is relative when you're yeah. buying or starting a, a new business as well because a, a lot of, yeah. like for me personally i was working 15 hours a day six days a week yeah. and that was not the time freedom <laughs> that i was looking for <laughs> you
0: know i i was uh those not watching the video i, I was just putting my hand up, going i get it man yep. i i was saying to a friend once we were, we caught up and um this was really early on in the first couple of years of our business and I said at the moment, I'm working 14 to 16-hour days and literally I turn off my computer, I go upstairs, I pass out, I wake up, I do it again. And yeah. he just looked at me like I was some kind of an alien with three heads and just went, what what are you doing? You can't yeah. you can't keep doing that. Yeah. And, and the reality was he was right, you can't keep doing it. So, you know, okay, you can burn it at both ends for a little while but... Um, Geez, if you don't have a plan to build yourself out of that, um, you may find yourself back into this scenario of having some health problems, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And uh, especially if you're in the health and fitness industry, you definitely don't want those, those health issues yeah. popping up. You're not a good totally. example for your, your clients.
0: So, so how did you handle that? So you bought the business, you'd, now you're running it, you've even got people wanting to buy into your business. Yep. Um, you know, what did that growth journey look like, and how did you handle some of those issues that business owners often, too often, too often face?
1: Yeah. So, um, when when buying a an, an existing business, a lot of times the existing owner will offer consulting services or offer a transition, all that, and kind of from my own personal experience, I'd say don't take it <laughs> because especially like if if you're buying a business that was failing, why would you take advice from a business owner that was failing in their business? Right. And that was definitely my case. (laughs) So, and, and so we reversed roles when, when I bought the business, he then rented from me, you know, space and was still training clients and it was just a a disaster to say the least, because then, you know, he still felt like he could, you know, establish some, you know, ideas and, and drop those ideas. I'm like, yeah, no, th- thanks for that. But yeah. probably the biggest mistake that I made was I expanded too fast. Um, and, you know, when I, when I bought the business, I was able to take out my entire retirement account that had, you know, from oil and gas over 10 years of working there, which was a pretty sizable um, amount. And I invested that all into the business. And within six months, I was just about broke. And that was because I, well, I was able to manage millions of dollars of freight for large corporations and negotiate and do all that good stuff. I didn't know the first thing about running a small business where you have to have every hat imaginable. <laughs> you have to be the janitor. You have to be the salesperson. You have to be the practitioner. You know, ev- you're doing everything in the business. and. Not only was I just going crazy working 15 hours a day, but I was going broke as well. And the moment that I realized that I needed to, one, get help. And as entrepreneurs, we're on this island. You know, our friends who are working corporate jobs don't understand like what we are going through. They don't have that mindset. And we feel like we're alone. We can't ask for help. And I just want to tell any entrepreneur that's going through that right now that is absolute BS. There are people out that will help you. Um, many that will do it for free. Uh, others that you know, a coach or whatever that that you can you know invest in. And that's what I did. I invested in a coach and learned how to sell. That was the number one skill that was completely lacking in my my skill inventory. And once I mastered, and I, I really believe that I would say that I've mastered sales at this point. Once I mastered it, that first year in business, so I struggled to make hundred thousand dollars gross in that business in the first year. The second year, because I learned how to sell, I did four hundred thousand. Yeah, awesome. Nice. Just from, and then new problems, you know, came about. Now I needed staff and yeah. all that and. And through coaching and uh, education, and you know, listening to podcasts and and doing all that you know business related things that I wasn't used to doing, and kind of self development work, you know, I was able to learn and grow and and build that business up over the next ten years. Yeah,
0: that's that's awesome. I mean, and and just a second your comments there, yeah, I mean. I guess if anyone's listening to this podcast, well, you're already doing something to help further yourself because you're listening to podcasts to try and learn. And so, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll give you some value around that uh, that investment of time as well. But um, there are so many business groups out there and peer groups and different things, and you don't have to necessarily spend a lot of money. I, I agree with you around the personal coaching stuff can be invaluable. Um, I've got advisors and coaches and people who help me in every facet of my life because, well, as I always think, you know, if it's good enough for Tiger Woods to have a coach and he's at the top of his game, like surely little old me with so much improvement to make deserves a coach as well. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> so,
1: yeah.
0: Um, yeah, but it's um, that's really cool. And so, Tom, we're, we're on this journey. So you've, you've built it, you've grown it. I, I imagine somewhere in this journey, you know, maybe it was you too, you started also going, hey, you know, there's a sense of pride probably. You're starting to live probably a more comfortable life. Things are good. Um, at what point in that journey do you start thinking about exiting and, and you know, where did that first play into your mind?
1: Yeah. So um, my advice on on that is always have the end in mind. So from the very beginning and ultimately, I, while I, when I first purchased the business, I didn't say, okay, in 10 years, I'm going to exit the business. That was not that, but I knew that I wanted to grow it. And then ultimately that would be my retirement when I yeah. sold the business. So I always had the idea that I was going to sell the business. Yes. And, it's, and when you're the practitioner of a business, and this is what I learned from buying, buying the, the business before. He was the practitioner of the business. He was the only one there. You were buying him. Yes. And ultimately I was like, well, I don't want to buy you and your intellectual property because there wasn't much there. <laughs> I just want your equipment and I want your lease. And that's yeah. ultimately, that's what I bought because the price came down from, you know, oh, you know, I have all this experience. I don't care about your experience. This is going to be my deal. and you know that's kind of the value of the business is in the process that you've created to eliminate you as the person in the business. So you know the old saying you' know, work in the business versus on the business, you definitely want to be working on the business, not in the business. Because if, if that business is only tied to you, your name's on it, it's all your intellectual property, Ultimately, there's not going to be a lot of value to it, to a new business owner, because when you sell, you're not going to be there anymore.
0: So I'm curious how you handled the tension between working in and on the business, because clearly when you bought this business, it was you. Yep. You're the one. And, and so you mentioned before the first year was hard, then you learned to sell. So obviously you went away and learned on the, about that's working on the business to me because it's working on you, right? Yep. So... But, but I, I find I find this in my own business, right, that there's this constant tension between doing more in the business because, oh, geez, if I just do this, I might get a couple more clients. We might do this one other thing versus going, no, I'm actually going to push out or, or say no to certain things and block that time. And, okay, I might miss that sales opportunity, but I need those hours or those blocks of time to start doing something more valuable and working on the business. Absolutely. I, I, How have you found that tension and did you, was there ever a shift where you started doing more on instead of in or like how did you find that process?
1: Yeah, um, and, and, and this is a problem that I see with a lot of practitioners that, you know, doctors, personal trainers, physical therapists that, you know, that is your job is to be the practitioner. Uh, and a lot of, you know, dentists and, and all that as well. So it's hard to be the business owner and the practitioner at the same time. And that's why you see so many, you know, chiropractors and dentists and all that, that simply own dentist practices and hire people. But that, that shift from doing that did take a lot of time. I remember the first hire that I made was an administrative assistant. Yep and i i was like sweating bullets for weeks like in, in talking to my coach and i was like i don't i really can't afford two hundred dollars a week You know, it was ten dollars an hour i was going to do part time 20 hours a week uh, i can't afford 200 a week and i'm like i can't believe i'm saying that out loud now oh, no. <laughs> but she was like you can't afford not to it's like what's your time worth tom and i was like well you know, I charge out at at that point. It was sixty dollars an hour. I said, like, "Well, it's worth sixty dollars an hour." So, and then she was like, "Well, why are you doing ten dollars an hour work when you should be doing sixty dollars an hour?" I was like, "Bingo!" That that was the switch. Yeah. And I tell you what, when I hired Breck, that was his name. He was ex-military, and I was, and after the week, the first week of hiring him, um, I made like four thousand dollars worth of sales in that week. And not because he was around or there was some magic, but I now had the energy. I had the mental capacity to work on the business and not in the business. And I was able to do more marketing and and ultimately make those more sales. And that is that was when I was like, okay, I need to process everything out in this business so that I don't have to be here anymore because I didn't like to be there 15 hours a day. Yeah,
0: and it's it's a, a great point about working on the more valuable stuff, and and even to the point of you know, something that we've talked about internally. I talked to my wife about about our own work ethic. Is actually sometimes you're more productive if you actually stop, take a little bit of a break. You work less hours because you are fresher, more efficient. You're thinking clearer. You're more productive. So, so somewhere here working more in the business, actually, there's the law of diminishing returns here. And at some point, you're actually working so damn much that you're actually just doing damage. You know, you're yep. really not adding value anymore. And um, I, I, I was curious that you've mentioned that the sort of assistant that you got. Uh, one of the questions I've heard a lot from business owners is, you know, when do I know is the right time to hire an assistant? Do you have, do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, when you lose your hair, Says one bold man to another. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all joking aside, like any time that you find that you're doing like repetitive work, that is that is, that isn't driving the business forward. But it's you know, for for me, it was putting client folders together. It was scheduling clients. It was answering the phone for inquiries. I was like, this is. You know, once I hired Brack and he took that off my plate, I was like, oh, my gosh, now I have all this time on my hands. What am I going to do with myself? Yep. Get to live life.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I, I think weighing up what your time is worth and how important it is. I think, too, if you've got a family or, for example, and you're sacrificing seeing certain things that your kid's playing sport or doing, in the, they're in the musical or the whatever, and you're if you're missing some of those key things and you're doing work that, quite frankly, is cheaper to pay somebody else to do, then, geez, that's a pretty pretty good sign that it's time. Yeah. Um, I will just share one other example here because I, I see this one a fair bit with professional service firms out there, um, is that, you know, when, when's a good time to hire another advisor slash consultant, whatever it might be, you know, because they're not, you know, 10 bucks an hour or 5 bucks an hour, you know, they're, um, now they might be a contractor, and they might be a split of revenue on jobs one and things like that. But it's still a split. And and one of the things I found um, certainly in the early days of our business, but I see all the time out there is owners, owner operators, advisors, you know, building their business to a point where they're probably at a, about a hundred or even up to one hundred and twenty percent capacity. They're loaded, man. Yeah. And then. They hire a new advisor consultant. They drop back down to probably about 80% capacity because it's not a 50 50 split. You're yeah. sort of giving up a bit, but you're spending more time training them and whatever. But so that you can then both build back up to full capacity again. And that's, it's an interesting journey. I, I think it's one that scares a lot of people because they Absolutely. see their initial income drop. But, um, but geez, if you want to build something and you want to be, a, you know, you want to build something that not just that you're proud of, but can actually deliver on your life goals. Then at some point you probably need to take a risk. Otherwise you might as well take a job.
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> and, and not only that, but if you are the only one in the business, it's going to be very difficult to sell and to sell at a good price.
0: Yeah. And so yeah, like
1: yeah. for, for me personally, when I, I had this ego that there's no other personal trainer in the entire world that can train my clients as good as I can. Yep. And yet the reality was when I was training clients, I was thinking is today payroll day? Did I pay that bill? Um, What am I doing for the marketing on this campaign? Did I talk to that? And so I'm not paying, I'm not 100% with my client. And when, when I, when I got to that point, I was like, you know what? Let me hire another trainer. And I made mistakes along the way. But once I found the right kind of hiring process and the right personality. Um, that, quite frankly, my clients were getting better results with them than they were with me. And so it was it was gr- a great compliment, I think that, you know, I built something that now I could hand the process off to somebody else that could then do that process. Yeah. And it yeah. You know, saved me so much time.
0: Yeah, that's very cool. So, so where in this journey we you, you mentioned that you always kind of knew that you would ultimately sell the business but um, was there a point on this journey you know a year out two years out I don't know but was there where on the journey were you that you realized hey maybe it's time or maybe maybe it's if not sell tomorrow but you know maybe I should be thinking about this and exploring it
1: yeah um, within so within five years of opening the business you um, And at that point, I grew it to a point where I was super comfortable. I had staff that was doing things. The margins were great on the business as well. And um, I I actually started doing consulting for the coaching company that I had hired from day one. Um, They actually approached me because of the success that I had with my business. They're like, you're doing really great in this. Would you coach other business owners, fitness business owners? I was like, yeah, that sounds like fun. I'm getting kind of bored right now. (laughs) because <laughs> yeah. everything was just running i really didn't have to do much any, anymore okay. and you know an entrepreneur that's bored is not a good entrepreneur <laughs> yeah so i started working with them and and then kind of did a trial run if you will of being completely exit from the business yep i still yep. owned it but i put a manager in place and and set up the processes to do that and it went okay uh, i wouldn't say it was stellar like there was no growth over the next three years i was working as a consultant um but working as a consultant then i was able to travel around the world i was doing more speaking engagements and then i found a new passion yes and that in that fitness business while it was still a passion it wasn't the primary passion yeah, and exactly. so it was at that point where i was like okay i've kind of exited the business it's not doing really great I don't think I could sell it right now for what I want so let me go back into the business let me build it up some more and get it prepared to sell and that was when I went back and that was like year eight and then it was another year and a half of prep work to now get the financials in order um you know as Business owners, and I hope this doesn't go out to the IRS or anything like that, but uh, or the <laughs> Revenue Services. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We like to put things into expenses that might yeah. not really be expensive to the business,
0: <laughs> we so it's. Not- clean- Normalizations, uh, there, uh, Tom. You know, nice, yeah. nice, bland, generic name there that could mean anything really.
1: <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. it's a uh, ongoing education or continuing ed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. 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 <laughs> beach vacation was with a client. Yeah, totally, we
0: talked a lot of business over that mojito. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. So and and so shoring up the financials so that when a new uh, prospective owner looked at those financials for the last three years, which is usually what they look for. Now it shows this great growth and the expenses are way down and the profit is big. And while I took a hit with taxes for a year and a half, it was well over um, (laughs) compensated for what the price ultimately that I got for the business.
0: Yeah, interesting.
1: A business like that, um,
0: without necessarily going into your exact numbers, but how do they traditionally sell? Like, is there is it a multiple of profit? Is it a multiple of revenue? What is it? Is it asset values? How how did you come up with the number for the with the seller?
1: So it was really a combo of uh, the net income and the asset value, because you know a a fitness training center. has a lot of assets (laughs) to it and build out in lots of iron (laughs) in that that business. A lot of heavy things. Um, So there is there's definitely value in the equipment itself, um, but then also in the contracts that I had with existing clients. So I made the shift from going just kind of session to session to doing monthlies to doing 18 month contracts with my clients and you know, a new owner sees you know a hundred, twelve plus months of contracts are like golden. Like yep. there's a lot of value in that, and and ultimately, so was, for me, it was a combo between asset value and you know that goodwill value or contract value yeah. of what yep. was existing. Do you know for, for anybody listening here if I could if I could
0: paraphrase you back here a little bit Tom because this this is just such a critical point I think for every business owner if you're wanting to build value in your company you need to think about your model right if your buyers are buying your future stream of profits and really what they do is discount that valuation based on all the risks they see so what Tom's described here with you know longer term well let's let's call them they're actually sort of probably more short to medium terms if you look at lots of different business models but the point being look out over 12 to 18 months and you've got all this contracted revenue and no doubt you knew your churn rates at the time too it's nice consistent reliable reduced risk revenue Absolutely and, and that is ultimately worth more to an investor right like that they can, they can discount that back to today's value, apply a interest rate margin and a, a discount factor, but you're, you're going to be worth a lot more than somebody who is just leaving pretty much hand to mouth.
1: Yep, yeah. And, and if, you're, if if that owner is in the business, that is even more risk because it's that, that personality. And that's what I found when I exited the first time, when I started doing the consulting, is my personality was in that business way too much. And that's what drew people in. And when that there was a huge shift in personality, the the manager that I put into place did not have, obviously didn't have my own personality. He had her own you know personality, which wasn't jiving with the current clients and, and prospective clients. And that's why there was no growth uh, to the business. Um, but once I kind of made some, changes and processes to really exit me, even though I was there on a regular basis to help grow it back up, I was growing it from a process standpoint, not a personality standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. Really great point.
0: Do, Do you think too, just, just to pick up on that a little further, do you think the fact that whoever was the manager, is there, you know, do you think them not being the owner, you know, I sort of hear this thing of, you know, how do I get my employees to act like owners? Well, the, the reality is, in most cases, you can't because, right. <laughs> you know what, at the end of the retired day, they go, well, I'm done. I've given my hours here. I'm over this. Yes, those two or three things would really make a massive difference to this business, but I'll address those tomorrow because it's yeah. just not as pressing to me. Yeah.
1: yeah. Do you think I played a part in your situation? A- absolutely. Yeah. Nobody's going to pay attention to your business like you will. Yeah. Nobody's going to be an owner like you are. And there's definitely a difference between the owner mentality and an employee mentality. And we need both. There's not one's better than the other. It's just, they're different. And it's good to recognize when you have an employee uh, that acts like an owner or gets incentivized like an owner. And you yeah. find that right mix between leader and employee. And then that that person is really the golden golden child of, of your business. Yeah. yeah, absolutely.
0: We don't have favorites, but we do. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, a little a comment I'll add here, too, because you're right about employees won't, won't behave like you will in your business. Um, well, they certainly won't. Um, they often won't step up to the level that an owner will. The flip side of that, and, and I've seen this, is where the owner has started to check out. Yeah. You know, they're just not present. They're not putting in the effort. They're not turning up to as many meetings. They're not invigorated. Well, guess what? Like your your employees will also mimic that, right? And so, you, you know, you, you ultimately are damaging the your culture. You're damaging the way your business performs. Like if you find yourself in that kind of a situation, maybe it's time to think about hiring somebody or, or, or frankly, getting ready for sale because you, you clearly shouldn't be in the day to day anymore.
1: Yeah, absolutely. One hundred percent.
0: Um, Tom, quick question. When you went to sell, how long did the process take from the, the moment you said, OK, let's do this? Like, you know, you've probably been thinking about it and working yep. where you said you've been working on the on the business for 18 months, getting it ready. But, yep. you know, at some point you go, OK, I'm going to start down this process of selling. How long did that take from that kind of decision to you found the buyer, the deal's done, settled, paperwork signed, and you've got got you've been paid?
1: Yeah, it was about uh, three months uh, okay. from when I put when I just said, okay, I'm I need to sell it, and that was kind of the mentality. I need to sell it by, I think it was May or or June was was my time frame. Yep. Um, because I had other things that I wanted to do (laughs) and that didn't, didn't need to be tied to a brick and mortar business anymore. And, and I I think it was an interesting way. And this is, I, I would always suggest this for any, any entrepreneur that's looking to sell is to really look at your network of people that you've had interactions with and use your network to find the buyer. Yep. I, I was really lucky um, when I was, whenever I would train or find new employees, I always did a training program where, you know, people interested in becoming a personal trainer, I would train them over a 12 week period. I wouldn't charge them for it. I wouldn't pay them either. Um, But they would learn all the skills of becoming a great personal trainer. And then I would have the Pick of the litter, right? So I would say, oh yeah, I want to work with that person, and then everybody else can go away and do your own thing. Yeah, everybody gets value out of that, right? It was a really great way of finding new employees. And one of the rejects, <laughs> hate to say that, but <laughs> he um, ultimately he wasn't a perfect fit. There was somebody that was better, but I I went back to everybody that was in there, and I knew he had his own like little boot camp business going on, and. And so I um, approached him. I was like, "Hey, just curious. Have you ever thought about, you know, starting your own brick-and-mortar business?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, that's my goal in three years." And I was like, "How about advancing that goal a little bit?" And mm-hmm. so, you know, so there was kind of that yeah, cat-and-mouse game at first because you don't want to tell people that you're selling because um, that's going to, you know, diminish. You know, it gets people nervous, gets the employees nervous, gets your current clients nervous. Yep. Um, so it was, you know, we signed an NDA to do further investigation. And, you know, I had approached two people yep. to, to buy and he was like, yeah, this is, this is good. Um, I did owner financing as well. So yep. um, which you know, again, you need to know your risk tolerance if you're going to be doing that. But I was so confident in one, his ability to maintain the business. Um, and in the way that I had the business set up from the beginning, that there was not going to be a problem with him paying me over a four-year period.
0: Yeah. That's
1: and so nice. I got a lump sum up front, front and then I financed the rest over four years, which again is a couple couple things that are great for the seller in that scenario. One, I didn't get hit with a huge tax bill from selling mm-hmm. a business and getting a lump sum. And it gave me four years of a nice, kind of runway to take off with my new venture as well
0: yeah cool that's that's interesting yeah it just goes to show once again that you know money is important but the terms and the conditions and all those things it's all tied into one one discussion so
1: yeah,
0: um, yeah really interesting and um, one little piece of advice I'll add on to your thing and I, I agreed your comment about um, finding guys within your network is, is a good one because I think people who are associated or connected to your network or who have perhaps a strategic reason to be involved in your business, make make good sense. But I'd implore all business owners listening to this too, don't don't fall into the trap of going, oh, I've got one party here and they sound like they're going to be good and I think they're going to be a great fit, so I'll only talk to them. Um, you know, By the sounds of your situation, Tom, you had a, an entire list of prospective people that you could be talking to and some might have been better than others, but at the end of the day, there was a list, there was multiple potential parties, you had options um, yep. because I've just seen too many business owners either have the deal fall over after the fact they are, or they get lowballed with, by that yep. one buyer and they're so over it and tired and sick and sick of it all that they actually end up accepting something they probably shouldn't. Yep. And so, yeah, just having that little bit of competitive tension or, or frankly, in another way to express it, having a couple of options up your sleeve. Yep. <laughs> helps you come from a more confident and, and positive position.
1: Yeah. And the, the other, the other aspect that I was thinking of as well is that, you know, this was my baby I'd grown it for 10 years and I didn't want to give it to a moron either or sell it to a global, not, not that you know, like 24 hour fitness or early fitness would have bought it, but yeah, I didn't want to sell out, you know, to a big corporation. And, and, cause you know, these were my, this was my family. Right, the, the, all the clients and all that. And I had some emotional attachment to it. Yeah. And so I wanted to make sure that it was in good hands as well. Yeah. Um, you know, and and, and the culture would, would be a good match. And For I sure. think a, a testament to that is they're still going to this day, five years after selling, they're still going, go, still going strong. And while they had, during the sales process, they're like, yeah, we'll probably change the name of the company. They've not changed the name of the company. Yeah, right, there you go. There you go. And look, you know what? I, I, I'd advocate
0: for most people too. If the buyer wants to change the name of the company, well, don't let them change the name of the company. Don't get upset about stuff like that. Look, at the end of the day, it's an asset, right? Yeah. It might be your baby. You poured a lot into it. I get it. But if you can detach a little bit from this, yes, you're passionate about it, but it is an asset, and that asset is going to help you move to the next stage of your life. You know, you, you've probably evolved beyond that business now. so. Let it go. Let it be. Let somebody, whoever the next owner is, do what they need to do with it to make it their baby, right?
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome.
0: Tom, we're almost sort of at the top of the hour here, so we're going to probably have to wrap up. And I I still want to ask you um, what your personal sort of definition of success is. But before I do that, maybe you could just give us a bit of an overview of what you're doing these days. Like, you know, what what do you spend your time on? You know, who are the kind of people out there that you, you serve these days?
1: Yeah. So um, I'm in retirement. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I, I really I really feel like I am because now I, I have a virtual business. Um, so I do a couple of things. I do sales consulting and help people with their sales process and, and getting better at sales because that's what propelled me in my business. And I also have a call center where we book appointments for fitness centers and, uh, holistic medical practitioners in the U S and the UK. Um, and then there's some other things that I'm, I'm doing as well, but, um, that's my primary business. Uh, and, and that, you know, again, through that process of buying and selling body three, um, I've already, you know, thinking, what's my exit strategy for the call center for the marketing that I'm doing and for sales training so that it's, you know, just, Always in the back of my mind, not that I'm going to sell today. Well, somebody offers me the right number, it might be, but um, it's, it's, yeah, I always have that end in mind. Um, and so, you yeah, know, that's, yeah, I, I, I kind of call myself the impact pilot because I, I like to have impact through sales, storytelling, and booking more appointments and doing those conversions to help businesses grow. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. My, a friend of
0: mine says uh, always reminds me that we all live by selling something. So you know, and I, I'm a big believer in that too. It's you know, by selling something, you're typically you're adding value and solving problems, and that's that's the way to see it. But um, so if you're listening to this and you're struggling with some of your sales, then then certainly reach out to Tom and um, you know have a chat to him about how he might be able to help you in your world. Um, and on that point, Tom, I mean, um, what's the best way to, for people to get in contact with you?
1: Yeah, my, my website is probably the best. Uh, it's uh, tomjacobs.com, so T-O-M-J-A-C-K-O-B-S.com. Cool. Also on uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. Not so much Twitter these days. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's probably the best way to, to get a yeah. hold of me.
0: Uh, well, as always, we'll put those uh, those links into the show notes for everybody. And um, as I often say on the show, if, if you are going to reach out to Tom, Perhaps include just a little note, let him know that you heard him on the Buy Grow Sell podcast, just to give him a little bit of context. Um, if you're going to reach out and connect on LinkedIn, do that as well. Add a note, be a person, not a robot. Yeah. Um, similarly, if you'd like to reach out and connect with me on LinkedIn, I certainly always accept uh, connection requests from people who are listening to the podcast. But once again, I'd just like a little note saying heard you on the podcast. That'd be fabulous. I'm always very happy to connect with business owners and people who are trying to do good in the world. So, um, so yeah. So look, Tom. This has been really awesome. Um, to wrap up, do you have a, what's your view? What's your view on success? And what does that word mean to you personally?
1: Yeah, um, it has not changed in you know, the, the 20 years I've been doing entrepreneurial work. And to me, success is when you're happy. Yeah. Happy with the way that your life is going, the happy with the impact that you're having to other people happy with your freedom that you have, however you define that happiness. It's not the size of your bank account. It's the size of your smile. Yep. Awesome. And and to this day, like I have achieved, I think the ultimate of success in my definition of it. I mean, I I live in Taiwan. I don't live in the US anymore. Um, You know, it's it's, I get to travel all over Mm -hmm. the world still. And, you know, I don't have a brick and mortar business that is tying me down. I have a virtual business. I've designed that business in a way that supports me, not me supporting the business.
0: Yeah, very nice. Very nice and a great note to end on. Tom, thank you so much for your time. Um, you've been very generous. Um, I've really enjoyed hearing your story. And uh, and I know our audience will get a lot of value out of it just as I have. So so thanks again for, for coming on.
1: No problem. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
0: Pleasure. And thank you all for listening to another episode of the Buy, Grow, Sell podcast. If you'd like any more information, please get in touch by buygrowcell.com. Hit me up on LinkedIn. Always happy to connect with other people. And if there's anything we can do to add value to your world, please let us know. Thanks again for listening. The ultimate freedom is to own a company that is valuable scalable, and saleable. Wherever you are on your business journey, it's worth understanding what is driving value into your business and what could be holding you back. For more information, speak to the team at Exit Advisory Group by going to exitadvisory.com.au or send an email to ask at exitadvisory.com.au. Thank you for listening to the Buy, Grow, Sell podcast with Simon Bernard. For complete show notes with links to additional resources, visit buygrowsell.com forward slash episodes. Simon is the founder and CEO of Exit Advisory Group, and you can follow him on LinkedIn.